0: So Money episode 1304, Alexandra Carter, author of the book, Ask for More on how we can all make more money in 2022. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: Making those wins visible, keeping people abreast of what you're working on, rallying your allies and advocates. You know, Farnoosh, by the time you go in for the last conversation, the conversation, You want the person who's making decisions to have heard your name in an echo chamber. Be hearing about you so much and what you are doing and what you're contributing that your presentation is just the final nail to get you to that next level.
0: Welcome to So Money, everybody. Wednesday, January 12th. Update Daughter is still showing no symptoms. All clear. Everybody in the house. Just experiencing cabin fever. We got her PCR tested. Gonna have to wait five to seven days for those results. Yeah, that's where we are in America right now. (sighs) This is really testing my patience. In the meantime, I thought I would dedicate a podcast to how we can make the most of this year when it comes to our salaries. One of my favorite experts on this topic is back on So Money. She is fantastic. Her name is Alexandra alex Carter, her book, Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate Anything, was first published back in May of 2020 by Simon & Schuster. And now she has the paperback with some timely updates, namely the pandemic, working from home, the Zoom culture, how to make more money in 2022 is the topic of conversation today. And we talk about some of the macroeconomic issues like inflation, the increased cost of living, and how to weave that into your negotiation. negotiation, how to make a case for your value in a culture, a work culture where now you're working virtually and your results may not be as visible. We also address a listener question that has more to do with how to tell when your employer just isn't going to give you the money. Maybe they're giving you a title raise. Maybe they're giving you some credits towards taking classes. Maybe they're giving you flexible work hours, but what you really want is money. How to tell if that's even in your cards. And advice for women: Why this year could be the year to put your foot down, be aggressive, even if it backfires. Because we all know women when we negotiate like men doesn't always work out for us. Here's Alexander Carter. Alexander Carter, welcome back to So Money. Happy 2022. How are you? Thank you. I'm
1: really well. I'm glad to be starting out the year with you. It's my first interview of the year. Thank you.
0: I loved having you on the show when you were on previously. This was, I think, fall of 2020. We were talking about negotiating, making more money in the context of the recession that was happening at the time, as well as we were in the throes of COVID-19. Unfortunately, the pandemic is still with us. And while it looks like the job numbers are improving, what we are seeing, since you were last on the show, the, the big, I think, job story was the great resignation. So many people leaving the workforce for various reasons, burnout, low wages, bad benefits, an inability to balance home and work um, under the constraints of the pandemic or all of the above. So this brings us to why we are so delighted to have you on the show because um, you have some important advice for those of us who are looking to either start a new job or do better at the current place that we're working, making more money, getting more benefits if that's what's important to us. Let's start with where we are right now in the world, Alex. You uh, have just re-released your book, Ask for More. It's in paperback. What's new? What has changed since you first published and any advice that has pivoted since 2020?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Ask for More came out May 5th, 2020, right? And And so that was, as you mentioned, a a chaotic time and so much was uncertain that a lot of people I spoke to, nearly everybody said that any raises or promotions or that type of thing was put on hold because management was just trying to get a handle on the situation and how is it that we are going to survive, meet our quarterly goals, our year goals, and people were getting told later. And it's interesting because you mentioned the great resignation. I think this is actually what I'm seeing, especially in the last six months, is the great reevaluation on the part of US workers. The thousands of people that I talk to, that I counsel, they're looking at compensation, absolutely. And a lot of them are going out either getting raises at their current company to keep pace with market value or generating other offers and going elsewhere for significantly more. But people are also doing this in the context of having had the chance to reevaluate what makes for a rich and fulfilling life. And I don't just mean rich in the material sense, but putting all the building blocks together of a sustainable and good life to live. And so that could include money. Lots of people are negotiating for that. That's always priority one. But people are also negotiating for plenty of other things. You know, they're negotiating for support. You know, lots of senior women negotiating for membership to women's clubs as a part of their package. They're negotiating for boundaries and what their work-life balance is going to look like. You know, they're negotiating for travel benefits or even pockets of money that are separate from the basic compensation. There's always something to evaluate and ask for. And so I think a lot of these moves that you're seeing are in alignment with people reevaluating what they want from their lives. Mm-hmm.
0: But as you always say that you want to make the negotiation about your value. So with respect to everything that's happening externally, how do you work that into your conversation, but focusing still on your value as opposed to the these are all things that are happening? You know, our company has seen a departure of many workers. I know that some people are jumping ship and competitors are offering this how do you eloquently weave that into your debate or your negotiation
1: yeah well it's all relevant right in in the end the cornerstone has to be your value your performance what you've been doing but of course that's against the backdrop of what is happening at the company right if i'm leading a department and i've had four people leave or if several people have left above me and i am effectively now doing the job of one of those people in addition to my own, this is a case that we wanna build then throughout the year. You know, you talked about the conversation. I think a lot of people, we talk about the conversation, but this is not just one conversation, right? This is, I like to think of it as a political campaign that you are running year round. You want to be keeping track of your wins, making those wins visible, which can be challenging, right? In a virtual environment, I used to be able to just walk into your office and say, hey, got great feedback from the client. Now I have to remember to send that email or forward something by whatever means I have available. So making those wins visible, keeping people abreast of what you're working on, rallying your allies and advocates. You know, Farnoosh, by the time you go in for the last conversation, the conversation, you want the person who's making decisions to have heard your name in an echo chamber. Be hearing about you so much and what you are doing and what you're contributing that your presentation is just the final nail to get you to that next level. So it's really a year-round conversation focusing first on, let me show you everything I've been doing, as I've mentioned throughout the year, and I have done this against the backdrop of incredibly difficult you know, uh, commitments in the workplace and a lot of turbulence in the market. That's the framing.
0: So then is the recommendation for those of us who are entering the new year, hoping to make more money, hoping to improve our work status, that we need to be in it for the long game, that the idea that you're going to make that raise this month or this quarter, if this is the first time you're approaching the idea in your head that you need to give yourself more time?
1: It's different at every company. You know, Each company has its own life cycle in terms of when these decisions come up. Again, what I would say is, if the company makes comp decisions in April and your performance review is late March, don't wait until then, because it's possible that the monies will have been allocated already by that point. You wanna be starting months earlier to put this on your manager's radar to say, here's what I'm working toward. So it's gonna be different at every company but I also want to give a cautionary note about waiting because I have to tell you that I've heard from so many people and in particular women who get told over and over again, not quite yet, soon, it's almost your time. And in fact, I counseled a woman, this was back in 2020, we had a session together And at the time, she had just been told, not yet, we can't put you up for managing director yet. She's in finance. And she's working in a new area. And they told her, nope, not yet. And she decided, no, I think it is my time. And I'm going to go ahead and tell them. And she went back and said, I'm asking you to put me up. I'm ready. This is my time. Put me up. And she then ran the campaign for six months. She collected her allies and advocates. And at the end of the year, she was a managing director. So I do want to encourage you that if you are not being valued and you, the carrot just keeps moving a little bit further down the road, that's either time for a conversation then to say, look, you know, I could go out and generate another offer. I'm hoping not to have to do that. I'd prefer to stay. We all know I'm underpaid. Here's what market is. Here's what I've been doing. How soon can we get me there? And if Mm -hmm. that doesn't work, especially if you have been at a place for a long time, one thing I found is that if you grow up in a place, right, and I see you nodding, they're never quite going to value you the way somebody else will when you're coming in fresh.
0: (laughs) Alex, I've quit a job after they wouldn't promote me. And two months later, my manager called me while I'm sitting at my desk at my new job and says, can we hire you back? (laughs) I was like, is this happening? Is this, this is like, I'm living in a sitcom. Last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about women and negotiating, specifically advice for women, which is, uh, I feel like it's very conflicting advice. What you just described uh, with the woman you counseled, I'm hearing this and I'm rooting for her, but I can't help but also fear that in front of the wrong employer, she may be perceived as, too aggressive, I'm using air quotes, too aggressive, nasty, a B, which studies show when women go in with the same script as a man to ask for a raise, I think that both are looked down upon, <laughs> men and women. You know, like they're both each receive a bit of a negative reception, but women more than men. Yeah, they expect and, it from the man, right? Yeah. I kind of wonder with everything going on in the market right now, with so much turbulence, with now more than ever, the ability to quit and find another job. I feel like the job hunting probably won't take as long because there's so much of, a, of a, um, a need for talent, that this is your time to sort of test the waters as a woman and be aggressive and be assertive. And if you were afraid of doing this before, do it now. And if it ricochets, well, guess what? You can leave knowing that maybe you have a better place somewhere else, uh, Go going where you are more loved. What's your advice? In those regards. Yeah, well,
1: you are absolutely right that research shows women are much more likely to be labeled. And I don't know about you, but I personally have heard it all. You're too much. You're too aggressive. You're too loud. You talk about your accomplishments too much. I actually uh, had a gentleman tell me that my voice was too big for my body type. um, And that was his uh, helpful, constructive feedback. Thank you so much for that. So (laughs) I was like, wow, you thought that. And then you said that out out loud, right? Congratulations. What must it be like? So (laughs) here's, here's what I would say. Anytime I give advice on this, Farnoosh, I am, we're walking this line, right? We're navigating a tension between dealing with what is, and there's no question that there is baked in institutionalized sexism in all of our organizations. There's just no question that that's out there. And so frankly, for some women, if you've hesitated to negotiate, I get it because you may have absorbed the message that's in the air that you're lucky to be here and you should be grateful for what you have, right? You may fear the backlash and with good reason. By the way, the backlash is even worse for black women as one might predict than it is for white women. So not all women are equally situated, but it's there. So dealing with what is versus changing the culture. Here's my viewpoint. I teach negotiation strategy. My goal is to get as many of us into positions of senior leadership as possible so that we are changing that culture from the top down and working to educate the men and allies who are also part of that leadership structure to change it. Until that day, we have to go out and get what we deserve. I do have one tip, you know, actually two. You know that in Ask for More, the whole foundation of this is powerful questions. And powerful questions are a great way to start a compensation negotiation with somebody who might be somewhat fragile, right? Somebody who might be likely to react to you. If instead of going in and saying, it's my time, I want 25%, you go in and you say, tell me how you make the case for the next level. You know, Tell me your view on my future at the company. Talk to me about how we could work together to build this out in a place that's going to make them in- impossible for them to say no. Right? It's powerful questions to get information about how it works and to put you in the best possible position. Then, if you're worried about backlash, studies actually show that framing your ask in a particular way will help. And this is called the I-we. Here's what I'm asking for, and here's how we all benefit. In other words, tying what you need to the collective. This has been shown, actually, because women are expected to be more collaborative and more community-minded. And again, right, this is really effective. I hate to have to give the advice, but actually it works really well for people of all genders, right? Because if you can write somebody's victory speech, if you can show them how giving you a raise, right, so that you stay and they don't incur the turnover costs or giving you the promotion is gonna benefit them, that's putting you in the driver's seat to have the best possible conversation. It's true for any gender. It's especially true if you're
0: a woman. We have a question from, a very timely question from a listener. I was going to say this for a Friday episode of Ask Farnoosh, but you're the expert on the employment. And, and so I I want to share this with everybody because I think it's, it, 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 I think people will hear themselves in this. So before I get to the question, there is this thing right now that I hear from friends who are hiring, um, title inflation they're interviewing applicants who are, you know, relative to maybe existing employees at their company are junior, but they have senior titles. And I think this is happening a lot at companies where they don't want to give raises, but they're making everybody happy with like a higher title. And so this gentleman writes in to the show and he says, I'm frustrated with my employer. You know, in some ways they've been great. They've given me a title title, raise. They've given me also uh, credits and money to go advance my education. But every time I ask them for more money, they just come up with these alternatives. And now that I have the title raise and I have the advanced education, like I want the money and they're not giving it to me. So what's your advice for him? And then at large, for those of us who go to the employer and they're like, well, we can't give you the money now, but we'll give you the title raise. Is that always a plus?
1: You know, that's very interesting. I'm always intrigued to hear about people getting a raise without the title, and I've heard that so much during the pandemic. And what's amazing to me is how the companies spin this, like this is a huge benefit to you. Like you're gonna get a bigger job and we're not gonna pay you more. That's really what it is. I mean, you know, yes, having a good title could benefit you down the road, but if that's not also accompanied by a real value increase, then the first thing I would tell that gentleman is you have to look immediately. That is a situation, if they have been stringing you along and you've got this new title, you need to monetize that. And if you can't monetize that where you are, you're gonna monetize it somewhere else. So that's number one. Number two, you didn't ask this, but what happens when you get to the next company and they ask you what you're making now, right? Right, You were well- Do you have to answer that question? You do not. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. And first of all, in some states, they can't ask you that, right? Because that, as you know, is a question that's really been used. Just think about it. If women are underpaid, right? I'm a white woman, I'm underpaid compared to, you know, statistically likely to be underpaid compared to a white man. You know, my black sisters, my Latina sisters are faring even worse. If you are asked what you make and that becomes the baseline, we are going to perpetuate the gender pay gaps into eternity. So instead, I like to reframe the conversation and say, well, we're not talking about my last position. We're talking about this position and what the appropriate compensation is for that. So talk to me more about this position at this company and what it looks like. And then at an appropriate juncture, I think it'll be time for us to talk compensation. Right, so nice. I would. It's not relevant. In some states, you can't ask, and even where technically you might be able to ask, don't answer the question. What That's I was right. paid before for a previous role is irrelevant. It's about this company, this role, and what market is for that. Period.
0: I was going over uh, old emails. My very first job, uh, where I got like benefits and everything, was at New York One News. Shout out to all my friends there. And uh, I mean, I made all the mistakes, Alex. I remember I, I have an email that I'm emailing with HR. Uh, I've got the job. They bought, they want me for the job. And she's asking me how much I, either I want to make or I am making. And I just tell her, I like r- put it in writing. I'm like, $45,000 would be great. <laughs> you know, like no, I had no advice back then about how to ask for more. I think I set myself up for failure there because that was the job where I was taking on a ton of responsibilities. I was doing 18 different job roles, way more than what I would uh, had uh, been hired to do was far more capable should have been making more and they just would never and this is the boss that called me two months after I left hey can we can we bring you back because they realized letting me go was like needing to fill four more jobs (laughs) right oh my
1: god I love this it's like the relationship where the other person's like I think we should see other people and then you find somebody better and all of a sudden they're like wait you were so great
0: yeah not to toot my own horn but uh it is a little bit of a uh, redemption, you know, given the fact that I was so sorely underpaid and and misunderstood the whole time I was there. Uh, let's talk about another current event, which is inflation. Inflation, we're all feeling it, whether that's at the grocery store, at the gas pump. The only positive maybe is interest rates on our savings, savings rates going up, but we haven't even seen that. How does that impact your ability to negotiate successfully? How does that should that even work your work its way into the conversation
1: yeah you know inflation is in fact it's affecting all of us it's it's frankly affecting some more than others you know as with a lot of things the you know hourly wage workers tend to get hit the hardest you know like you said at the gas pump if you need to buy a car different things that are happening every day it's also affecting different employers differently I actually spoke to the Wall Street Journal about this recently, and what I was talking about there is I wouldn't make it the cornerstone of your argument, right? And I can see you shaking your head because really, where do we want to be focusing on when we're asking for compensation? We want to be focused on our value and the role. And that really should be the cornerstone of any argument. It's possible that some employers might be receptive to an argument where you say, my salary hasn't been increased for years and my costs of living have skyrocketed. It's possible, but it's also possible that you would be met with a, you know, Alex, we totally get it and our costs have risen also and it's really a tough situation and we appreciate you hanging in there. So for that reason, I wouldn't lead with inflation. I would lead with, here's what I've been doing. I haven't been raised for several years. I'm significantly under market value. And we all know that by this time, I've accrued so many relationships, so much experience, that it would be really expensive to replace. And I'm hoping that the company sees fit, rather than incurring that expense, that the company sees fit to pay me market for this position, right? It's not quite a, I'm going to leave. But mm-hmm. it's a, you know, just to remind you, in case you're worried about the expenditure, you know, there are all these statistics about how expensive it is to replace somebody. Even for an hourly worker who's not making, you know, too terribly much, it can be $20,000. And mm-hmm. if you're a senior manager, it could be $50,000, $100,000, or even a little bit more to fully replace that person. I think of your previous employer, Right all the roles that you were filling, all the knowledge that you had, replacing that, getting the right people in to replace you, getting them up to speed, doing the job hunt, all of that costs real money and hours that we need to focus employers on when we're asking for more.
0: It's relative, I know, but how much can we expect to make on top of what we're making already. I, I, some people think, you know, 20%, 30%. In a previous job, I had a, a, a mentor there tell me, whenever you're leaving a job for a new job, always ask for like 50% more, double. This is in the news industry, so it, the rules are different. What do you think? Uh, you know, just to give people a sense of like ballpark, you know, or, or at least how to measure it for your own situation. Yeah, I personally, this can differ
1: from industry to industry, as you noted. But I personally would never ask for less than 20%. I've spoken to so many hiring managers who tell me that there's room there. Whatever the offer is, I've had people tell me during the pandemic when everybody said, yes, I'll take it. Right. Because they thought, you know, I have a job. I have to take this. The hiring managers are telling me we have more. We had at least 10% on the table, maybe 15. So I personally would not make a move and ask for less than 20% more. That could even be for a lateral move. If you're moving up, right, then of course you're going to ask for more. But this is where I would say sometimes folks rely on the websites. That should really only be the beginning of your information gathering. You're, you heard that hackneyed saying, you're. Network is your net worth, you know, or it's wrapped up in who, you know, you want to be tapping your networks to find out what people are making over and over again. The people I counsel, when we look through their network, we find somebody who can give them the real scoop on what the ceiling is and how much they can be asking for. And it's why as women, we need to talk about money. This is why I love what you do. Because the more we are frank and leveling with each other to talk about money, the more we are going to close the gap and level that playing field. Right now, the employer has all the information. They know what they pay. Everybody, they have it all. So you have the system and a bunch of one-time players going up against the system, and we can only level it. If they're not going to share information, then we have to. And we have Mm -hmm. to be the ones telling each other how to ask for more.
0: And sometimes be willing to walk away, right? Maybe this is also the year where you can bite that fear and say, I, I, "I'm sorry, I can't." And and then you know we've talked about this that whether it's silence in the negotiation or literally just leaving the negotiation um, and saying, "This is my final offer," you know, giving your giving your employer time to think about it, or not to give them an ultimatum, but say, "Like this is this is where I this is what I need," and being really firm about it. Can you give us any motivating advice around that? Because I think that's a really hard thing to do sometimes or all the time. Absolutely.
1: So in Ask for More, I give people three words of advice that you should live by in your negotiations, and that is land the plane. Sometimes you have to have the courage to just make your ask and then zip it. Let it hang there. I think many of us feel this way, especially, I would say, women I've spoken to, but some men um, and non-binary folks as well. We want to make people comfortable in negotiation. We feel as though we have to talk to fill the silence. You know, well, I really would like 25 percent, but if that's not possible, I totally get it. Uh-uh. You make the ask and then you land the plane and let the silence be. Do you know in the paperback of Ask for More out this week, this is the reason we're talking, one of the things that I did update was some recent research around silence in negotiation. And there was a study earlier this year from the Journal of Applied Psychology talking about how many high value negotiation moves come after a period of silence. How long? Three and a half seconds can feel like an eternity, right? So sometimes it's as simple as sitting back and counting that time, giving the time person time to respond. Sometimes landing the plane means they send you the email, you're not in love with the offer and you don't respond right away. You let it sit. I can't tell you how often women I've counseled have been pressured to accept like the first counter offer, either the first offer they negotiate once, they're pressured to accept the counter offer One woman called up and said, you know, can you tell me more about why there's this time pressure? And she found out that her boss was going to Hawaii. Um, Their vacation is not your emergency, right? We -hmm. don't have to Mm -hmm. make people comfortable. We can let there be silence. We can take time to consider. We can say, you know, this isn't gonna work for me. I need to uh, take some time to assess my options. And sometimes then people reevaluate and they come back with something better. Last thing I will say, though, is I could tell you so many stories of people who were so afraid. And I've been there, too, is the secret. I teach negotiation, and sometimes I teach from my own pain because I, too, have feared. I, too, have been socialized to be the good girl and make people happy and pleased. And I, too, have feared when I sent something off thinking I'm going to lose this deal, right, or people aren't going to want me because I asked for my worth. And I'm here to tell you that both for me and thousands of people I have coached, there is so much value on the other
0: side of that fear. And you can do Mm -hmm. it. You can push through. And I would argue, Alex, that that that, that fear, the adrenaline, (laughs) sometimes led you to the right move, led you to the right place. Like we, you know, fear is... The fact that you can stand here and say, as the negotiation expert, a Columbia professor, I get scared sometimes too. I mean, that t- says a lot about fear, that we all experience it. It's not always a bad thing, but recognizing it, right, as you have, having an emotional intelligence around it is is the key. Yes, and I think, you know,
1: I know you're exploring this, but there are different types of fear. And sometimes for me, the fear, it comes up and I just observe it. I say hello to it. I don't judge myself like, anymore and say, why am I feeling this? I'm like, oh, you again, here we go, right? (laughs) I'm raising my prices and here you are again, whispering in my ear, who do you think you are, right? And the answer is I'm Alex Carter and it's a new year and my prices are going up, thanks so much. See you next year, right? It comes up all the time and it's like, hello darkness, my old friend, all good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it manifests as like, a pit in your stomach, your skin overreacts. I mean, like fear shows up in different ways for people. Sometimes it's a voice in your head. uh, But yeah, sometimes it's just utter panic. And sometimes it's a legitimate fear that you want to sit with and and really like talk to for a little bit longer. Like, what is up with you? Uh, What do I need to learn from you? So much to learn from you, Alexander Carter. Thank you so much for helping us start the new year on a really strong foot your new release, re-release, Ask for More out now. Congratulations. It's just, it's like a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I encourage everybody to pick up a copy. Happy New Year. Thanks, same to you. Thanks again to Alex for joining us. Check out her book, Ask for More, 10 Questions to Negotiate anything now in paperback. On Friday, we're going to celebrate So Money 7. It's our seventh anniversary, everybody. How exciting is that? On Friday, January 14th, I started this podcast uh, when I had just had an infant. I was podcasting from a closet and there were some recordings when I forgot to hit record and then discovered it uh, when I was thanking the guest and saying goodbye. Fail if you must, but fail fast is what I learned in those early days. More to come on Friday. Be sure to send in your questions if you haven't yet. Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Email Farnoosh at podcasts.com. You can text me, 415-942-5002, all the ways. Hope to hear from you. I'll see you back here on Friday. And in the meantime, hope your day is so money.